Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. All right, welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I've got a solo episode for you. Uh, we're going to dive into the topic of associates, and we're going to look at it from a few different angles. You know, I'm going to tell my story a little bit uh, of my career. I know some of you have heard of it, but I can't assume that all of you have. So I would like to, you know, have a little bit of context. And then we'll roll into a few different kind of um, perspectives from this. One is, you know, not becoming an associate at all and, and some of uh, the realities of that, positive, negative, some concerns, um, some opportunities. Uh, then we're going to go into being an associate. And then lastly, hiring and, and bringing on an associate, because, you know, I just think this conversation is, is needed um, because there seems to be a disconnect. And we've had it on this show before, um, but there's definitely a, a disconnect happening. And I'm recording this actually the, the week after we had our first uh, 2023 MCM Mastermind Weekend in Fort Lauderdale. And we had Ray Tuck as our guest presenter, who um, he's been on our podcast before. If you're not familiar with him, look him up. Uh, in Virginia, nine chiropractic locations, two medical locations, um, multiple doctors, obviously. And, and we didn't dive into all things associate, but it was obviously a topic. And we talked a little bit about that. And, you know, they're just... And this is a you know a group. There's 22 of us in this mastermind. Plus you had Ray there, and um, you know a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different parts of the country, a lot of different um, ideas. And and as a group, we just realized that there there you know there is a disconnect uh, quite often between you know, being an associate and 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 being an owner doctor and and trying to uh, kind of marry the two. And so. It was good timing for that. Um, I've been working um, on a CSA playbook. So a little bit of the things that we've added over the last six months inside of the Chiropractic Success Academy are these playbooks. You know, we have a lot of great lessons and trainings inside of CSA. And so we've developed playbooks that uh, ultimately um, guide you. It's not a system per se, because you can't cookie cutter things, but these playbooks will give you the um, ability to, to work through what your particular system is, right? We have a front, front desk playbook. We've got a scaling playbook. We've got a, um, you know, uh, networking community outreach playbook, but we've also, I've been really working diligently and this one's taking the most time on an associate playbook, you know, when you're ready or, or how do you know you're ready to bring on an associate? So I've been working on this, uh, and getting in the details of it. So I wanted to record a little overview podcast on the on the topic as well. And so the CSA playbooks have been great. It's really helping to, to take a lot of our lessons in there and link it into a guided man, you know, manner. So uh, a lot of people ask like, what is the Chiropractic Success Academy? And it's really a guided, um, you know, online academy with, with a lot of different things, but it's not just um, random lessons now. It's actually going to be um, very, you know, it guides you based on some uh, things that we have you do once you join and, and see where you're at. And then from there, lessons that will help get you where you need to. You, you'll definitely have to have some self-accountability 
Um, but it's great. So you can check that out at www.csacircle.com. But the playbook's been cool. I've been working on this. It's been kind of my uh, pet project within it and getting a lot of heads down work since I exited patient care to, to do these because they're, they're not easy. Um, but uh, I really wanted to, to, to spend a, a couple months, honestly, working on this associate one. And so, yeah, uh, I'm going to kind of touch on some of those things as we, as we go along. Um, let's dive into what I think is, is honestly the, the dilemma, right? There's this disconnect or, or dilemma with the associate aspect. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the obvious thing is, is the finances of it, right? Um, a lot of associates feel like they're not compensated well enough. A lot of owner doctors <clears throat> feel like their associates aren't earning what they are, uh, compensated or they're, um, they really, you know, and here's the other reality, to be honest with you, if you're not an owning chiropractor and haven't been one, a lot of misconception is, is that just because a, a owning chiropractor is busy in practice, a lot of patients, uh, revenue coming in. And so they technically need a, an associate from a volume standpoint, um, it, the the harsh reality of it is, doesn't mean that the bottom line supports a full time associate, right? There's a big difference between revenue and in profits, uh, and and it's tricky nowadays, right? Like in healthcare in general, the margins, which we've talked about in this podcast before, aren't as great as we would love them to be. Right. Yeah. It's easy when you're an orthopedic surgeon group to hire an orthopedic surgeon and pay him $200,000 a year. Um, money's coming in hand over fist typically. In a chiropractic office, you could have a practice that's seeing 150 a week, but between all of the overhead and the support staff and, and the reduction in billing, I mean, just all the factors, it doesn't necessarily mean there's so much meat on the bone that you can just be handed a $100,000 a year salary. So that's a, that's a big part, right? And yeah, the owners try to pigeonhole, you know, having an associate with these weird compensation structures, that definitely happens. So yeah, there, there are definitely chiropractors that are trying to bring on associates because they, they need the help. They just can't afford to, to compensate appropriately. Right. And so that's a big part of the dilemma. I would say the other is um, mentorship. A lot of young chiropractors are looking for mentorship, looking to grow clinically, looking to grow, uh, you know, maybe with business, with marketing, someone providing them, uh, you know, with some guidance and leadership. And, and that's not going great. Um, there's another uh, thing that we're seeing now with uh, the younger chiropractors coming out is is definitely, you know, some people call it work-life balance, but the, the new trendy thing is more work-life integration. And so they're valuing a lot more of, of that and not necessarily the 60-hour work weeks. And, and you know, I, I always hate doing this because you end up sounding old, but um, a lot of the chiropractors that are, you know, maybe of my age group, and to have their own practice, I mean, they probably put in 60 hours a week to grow that thing to where it is at a point where it could potentially bring on an associate. So, and, and so typically 
you see that disconnect where the owner doctor put in a ton of effort to do it and then to be able to afford to pay the associate um, what they consider fair compensation. They're, they're looking at this associate coming in and they may have 32 clinical treating hours and then obviously got it notes and all that, but are kind of expecting like, look, you know, this is probably more like a 45, 50 hour job to get your patient base going, get down to community, working some Saturday morning events some dinners, like, you know, really hitting it hard, you know, quote unquote. And, and sometimes that's not happening. And, and there's a little bit of a, a disconnect there uh, as well. And, and, you know, and I think that's part of what can be a struggle if you go into an associateship and you do the bare minimum. And then a couple years into that, you move on and you open your own practice, you know, the bare minimum's not going to cut it. To, to, to grow your own business and practice. So I, I get a lot of chiropractors that reach out to me and it's a similar story, right? It's like, yeah, I worked for this doctor for a couple of years. It was fine, you know, and, and then I opened my own practice and I'm five years into that now and it just hasn't grown like I thought. And one of the questions I ask, like, okay, like how many clinical patient-facing hours do you have? They'll say 30 or 32. Okay, and then what are you doing uh, during the other hours, you know, I'll do notes here and there. Okay. So, so how many hours would you say you're working, 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 right? Like it's, it's either notes or it's paying bills or it's treating patients. It's like actual work, you know, and it'll be like 38 or 40 hours. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, that may not cut it, right? It could maybe, you know, there's definitely outliers, but, uh, it, it can take a lot to grow that practice. The good news is if you do it for a period of time, then you get the momentum and it doesn't have to be like that anymore, right? Um, but that's just some of the dilemma I think that is that is out there. Um, you know, my my story with it is I I graduated in 05 from Logan, but even you know, and I I got a preceptorship and then I got an associateship, and I'll go through all that. But it really even started before that. And so, if you are a chiropractic student now listening to this, which I know we have quite a bit. Um, I remember it was a, it was about a year and a half prior uh, to graduating. I was really trying to, you know, sow the seeds of of getting a good job, and I wanted to come back down to South Florida. Didn't really care where in particular in South Florida, but my, that's where I'm from. My family was from here, and just wanted to be back. Every time I'd come home, I would, and it was a little bit challenging back then, 2004. You know, not every good chiropractor had a website. Google search was weird, wonky, but I, I did enough due diligence on finding like, and I, I knew I wanted to be a you know, quote unquote sports chiropractor. So I was finding <clears throat> chiropractors in the area and, and going and shadowing them when I was in town and doing that. And ultimately, if you're a student, you really need to position yourself well to get a good job. A lot of you aren't doing that, aren't making the connections, aren't, aren't, um, building a, a curriculum vitae, I get preceptors that, that actually um, email me for preceptorship. And the first thing I ask is, can you send me your CV or curriculum vitae? And I get a fair amount of people that respond back, what is a CV? <laughs> so that means they don't have one. Um, so you got to be building that thing and putting together, um, really having a good, like the, the evidence form chiropractors are coming out and ones that are getting good jobs, they are highly qualified from a training perspective. There's definitely a lot of clinical inexperience, and we, we understand that as, as chiropractic owners, that's going to be the case. But they're coming out with really good 
soft tissue, really good manipulation, really good rehab, right? good assessments, whatever way you do it, however you're doing it, but they're coming out guns a blazing. And if you're not there, you're just not positioning yourself well. And if you're not getting out to other, you know, like MPI events and, and other, you know, FTCA events that are out there now that um, COVID's kind of calming down and obviously we're going to get back to that stuff. If you're not positioning yourself well, it's going to be tricky to get that great job, especially if you're cherry picking a city or a town or an area like I was. But ultimately, I, you know, one of the places I stopped in and shadowed, I got my preceptorship that turned into an associateship. So um, I associated for, uh, for a year and a half and it was great. It was a very good experience, uh, learned a ton. And, and I was getting out there a lot. Like I was out in the community a lot and I was out in the community so much that I kept on running into this other chiropractor that was down in Miami and he came up, he got an opportunity to open up a satellite office in the Davie, Florida, which is kind of Fort Lauderdale area inside of a, um, a, a gym, a, a training facility, a sports training facility. And he didn't, he didn't have the time to, to do any of the clinical there. So, um, he essentially gave me 40% ownership of that. Um, for nothing. And I, but I had to build it. And I remember the first time I walked in there, it was crazy. It was like this beat up old gym. But at the time, this had been like 2007. So if you know football back then in baseball, like Manny Ramirez was working out, Ocho Cinco was working out. I remember Maurice Jones Drew, Plaxico Burris, Fred Taylor. I mean, it was just crazy. I, mean, I just couldn't believe the types of people working out there. So I took up the opportunity. And that's how I got into all the NFL and pro sports care that I did was because of that opportunity. And, and I did that as a partnership until 2010. So it wasn't like I owned my own clinic and I, and I didn't have majority ownership. So I didn't really get a lot of the business decision-making opportunities in that scenario. And then by 2000, probably the middle of 2009, um, the, the guy that brought in all those athletes, the trainer, he had left, he didn't own that training facility. So he had left went further south. So we had to move, we knew that place was going to go out of business, which ultimately it did. Uh, we had moved preeminently to an orthopedic group, which is really good, but th things weren't just really working out for the partnership. And I got an opportunity to open my own practice in April of 2010. And I, and I took that. <clears throat> and so since April of 2010, I've owned my own practice and, and done my own thing. So I, you know, looking back on it, I would say I positioned myself well as a student, got a great preceptorship, Got a good, great associateship, and I was in a really good opportunity as a partnership. I was provided 40% uh, ownership without having to buy it. And then I was able to sell that 40% back to the previous owner when I left. So that gave me a nice little um, chunk of change when I opened my own practice. And so I've run the gamut, right? So I've seen it from all angles. I obviously talked to a lot of chiropractors. I get a lot of the nuances of it, and it's changed over the years for sure. But I think I've got a pretty good um, beat on it, although not perfect. All right, Docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors. And you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel MCM. That is bit.ly bit.ly propel MCM. 
Modern Chiropractic Marketing, right? And so check out that link. And we're going to have you go over five SEO secrets to owning the first page of Google uh, without buying ads. And Darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. All right. So let's go into kind of this next part. And this is not becoming an associate at all. And that's fine. I, I know I've got some buddies that graduated that I graduated with that just opened up right out of the gates and it and went well. Um, what they typically did, at least back in 05, was um, open up regular offices, right? Like they they did the whole gamut. They, they rent, signed a lease, storefront, built out nice, um, you know, decent equipment, like turned it into a, a legitimate looking practice. I think what's happening now a little bit, and again, I can speak on this because I ran a clinic inside of a beat up old gym and I ran a clinic out of two different orthopedic offices before having my own. The orthopedic offices were, were great because they were really nice and it, and it actually legitimized me. Um, the gym situation, I always had this limitation, this ceiling, because it just, um, I was a, like a dock in a box in a gym which has an expiration date, in my opinion. If you, if you have aspirations of really growing a fully involved clinic, um, at some point, you're, I, I think it's, it can be a really good start. Uh, and it was for me. And, and there's a lot of ways that it can go great. And there's some ways it can go bad. And I'm not going to dive into all of those. But I do think you have to plan to get out of the gym at some point. Because I think it's hindering you in the perception of a lot of the patients and community and the overall experience with it. And so what I think what's happening is a lot of chiropractors are choosing to open up their own practice out of the gates and they're doing it in good gym scenarios, some kind of rinky dink, right? Or like mine was, was really crappy, but I just had this weird uh, situation of a phenomenal trainer that attracted insanely great talent. So it was really nice. Um, so I think that's happening a lot. So maybe that's why, you know, because a lot of doctors looking for good associates are having a hard time finding good associates. A lot of good young chiropractors that would have been associates are just opening up on the cheap <clears throat> out of the gates and going from there. And, and that can be a fine way of doing it. But my concerns here are, again, if you get stuck in it for long term, um, if it's a really bad gym situation where you don't have um, sustainability there, you don't have a lease or if that gym goes out of business or whatever, um, that can be a concern. My other concern on it is, is if you don't take an, a good associateship, where are you learning how to run a real practice aside from the clinical side? One of the things I really got out of my associateship was what a really good um, first-class chiropractic practice can look like and some of the training and knowledge around that so that even though I went, I ended up going into a gym, I had a couple years under my belt with a real deal practice and what that looked like. And so I don't know, like if you go right out and, and you don't have that, it, it can stunt you long-term and you could be down a bad path. Now, obviously there's ways around that, coaching, consulting, things of that nature. And obviously we have a lot of clients in that boat 
that are getting ahead of it and starting out of the gate and realizing, you know, what, I'm going to open my own practice, but I'm also going to bring on a coach to make sure I'm doing things the right way and have a plan to do that. So um, I just wanted to highlight some of the current concerns with that of not becoming an associate. I think for certain people, it works out just good. I, it, it also can be, you know, depending on, are you going back to your hometown or not? There's a lot of variables. I'm not against it. And so I'm not here saying I'm against it. I've just given you my concerns. If you're going that route, just make sure you cover your bases. Okay. But I do think that could be a part of the disconnect of why there's not enough. Yeah. It's just funny. Like I hear from owning chiropractors, there's not enough good associates. I hear from really good associates. There's not enough good opportunity for associates. So somewhere there's a disconnect, right? <laughs> you can't have one saying there's not enough good associates and you can't have associates saying there's not enough good jobs. Right? So there's a problem there. And I think maybe part of it is, is a lot of the good associates um, that are well-equipped are, are opening up their own. Um, and, and that could be a problem. Uh, not a problem. It could be a possibility. Right? All right. So let's move on to being an associate, right? Um, you've made a decision. You're going to look for a really good job. Um, you want mentorship. You want to do that. Now, um, you could do this for long term. Uh, that was one thing that was cool with hearing Ray talk speak is a lot of his associate chiropractors, because the way he sets it up with really good, fair kind of, uh, you know, ownership mentality compensation, not ownership per se. Uh, he's had a lot of associates that are there 10 years and longer. And so there's a lot of good associates out there that I know that have been with their clinic for a long time because they love what they do. They love the patients. They love the clinic. They, they've got a team around them. They don't want to deal with all the minutia of, of running a business and they're getting compensated fairly. And that, that's been really good. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a, a long-term associate. And so um, if you find that great opportunity, that could be something that's really good. Uh, you could be a long-time associate in for 20 years or something, and then finally, uh, you know, have an opportunity to buy. And so you've got um, a ton of historical experience at that particular location. And so the uh, risk of it not working out is going to be very low. And you were able to um, learn uh, as, as you went along. So, you know, being an associate long-term, nothing wrong with it. It's something that you want to be true to yourself with that. And be okay with that, right? If, if you feel like that's your mentality, you want to find a really good job that pays very fairly and you check off all the other life's buckets because of that, then that's great. Nothing wrong with that at all. If you're coming into it wanting to be an associate uh, for a period of time and you want to at some point own your own practice, that's great too. I do think um, communication is good around that. I do think as an associate, you should really look at at least a few years being there uh, as long as every, let's say everybody's treating everybody fairly, right? Um, and so, you know, you, you don't, you really, you really don't want to look at an associateship as like a, a year thing or less, or, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're using, I've said this many times and I, and I don't want to not say it because I've said it many a times, is that um, you got to look at being an associate that first few years is like a resident, right? If you go to medical school, it's like going, you, you go to residency for a few years before you actually become a uh, independent doctor that's graduated and graduated residency and treats patients outside of that residency. And you got to look at your associateship like that. So 
you know, you're not going to, you're not going to make a mint, but, uh, you know, a lot of the, the sayings now, or, or some of the ideas around it is, is, is how can you get that associate? If you're the owner, how can you give them a fair compensation package that gets them the hundred thousand dollars by year three? Like, is it a reasonable way to do it? Now, it doesn't mean you're given a hundred thousand a year, or they're going to just give you a straight salary of a hundred. It means that, you know, there's fair, uh, salary or fair salary and percentage or profit sharing or fair, uh, percentage only, you know, whatever it may be to where if you do your end and you can tease out the numbers and see, you know, okay, how much is an office visit worth in this practice? Okay. $75. Um, my bonus, I need to see 75 people a week to get to this. And that's going to get me to 85,000. And then I got to see a hundred a week to get to a hundred thousand. Like those are fit, you know, those are more than fair numbers, right? Like, I think that's the other disconnect we see is, um, you know, a lot of associates are coming out and, and they're seeing in student clinic, you know, 10 patients a week, they come out and they're a little, um, you know, they, they got all these certifications and trainings and they want to spend a lot of time with each patient and they get burnt out if they see eight people in a day, you know, like the reality of it is in, in our profession is like the way we get compensated and the way it works is like, you got to be able to get clinically efficient uh, and, and be able to see 25, 30 people in a day and be okay with that, be comfortable with that. You got to be able to see a hundred in a week. Not, not that you will right out of the gates, but if you're going to start one, like if you want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, it's not going to be make, seeing 50 in a week. I can almost guarantee you that. Like you got to get clinically efficient and, and, and you need to have really good patient retention or adherence. You need to make sure you're communicating well with patients. You need to make sure you're bringing in new patients. You got to get referrals from your patients that are given to you, right? Like you got to build a practice and get to a hundred, but it, so it's got to be a fair path to a hundred, but it's not going to be given to you, unfortunately. Like just graduating with a degree uh, doesn't give you a hundred thousand dollars, unfortunately. I wish it did. Um, I wish we were, um, you know, rolling around and swimming in money and, and we, and, and that could be the case, but that's usually not going to happen. It's usually going to be a compensation package. It's typically salary with some percentage or profit sharing with maybe some 401k and insurance, whatever it may be to, to, to get there. And I know that the joint is paying like 85,000 or $90,000 a year. I, I get it. And I think that's also part of what's happening. Disconnect. You're seeing a little bit of these um, opportunities that are paying that. But again, you got to look at what you're missing. Like if you want to run a, a sports evidence-based practice at some point in your career, um, probably making 70,000 a year at a really good sports chiropractic clinic is a better decision than making 90 at a, at the joint, right? If you're purely in it for the money, and you need that extra $20,000 a year and you don't give a shit about anything else, then I get it. But if you're looking to develop yourself professionally in a career, um, I wouldn't just look at the, the money as long as it's reasonable, right? So those are some of my thoughts on being an associate. Now, to kind of look through the playbook I developed or almost done with for kind of like hiring an associate. The, Part of this playbook is there's no de definitive answers for sure. And there's a lot of legal things you got to look at. Like people always ask like, oh, you know, um, 
should I get a contract? He's like, yeah. And then you know, I was like, can I give, can you give me a sample of a contract? I was like, no, like, there's a lot of nuances to it. And you really, honestly, anything contract related, in my opinion, just get an attorney. Don't even bother posting in Facebook groups like, oh, you know, what should I do about a contract? Like just, you know, maybe get some of the variables from people, but you got to get an attorney with that. And I'm not going to dive too much into the contract things. Um, but like when to hire an associate, right? Like, do you have the patient flow to support it? I've seen some scenarios where you actually have the cash flow to support it, but not the patients. So then you're, you're, you're compensating fairly, but then the associate doesn't feel like they're getting their hands on enough people. And so that can be a problem. So you got to make sure you have the, the patient flow to support it. You know, can you feed them new patients? Is this going to be a situation where it's only eat what they kill? That can be tricky. So are you able to feed them new patients? Um, you know, there's been a lot of numbers thrown around over the last year in the mastermind, but it's like, can you get them at least four or five new patients a week? You know, that's, that's going to really help get them going. Do new patients often have to wait longer than two days to get a new patient visit at your practice? Like, is it Tuesday, new patient calls and they can't come in until Monday? Like that could be a sign that you need a new, you need an associate. Maybe you're looking to just reduce your personal um, patient visit numbers, right? Like for me, I was I hired mainly because I was exiting patient care. Uh, maybe you want to go down your full time doc, been doing it for a while, and you want to you want to go down from thirty two hours to twenty hours. And so there may not be a big spike in office visits with hiring that associate, but they're freeing you up. But another thing, are you having issues with fitting in new patient follow up visits? Like I've seen situations where I got the new patient in. Okay, here's the worst. The new patient calls on Tuesday. You can't get them in on Monday. You get them in on that Monday. Then you go, your front goes to schedule them for their two more visits that week. And there's hardly any visits left for them to schedule, right? <laughs> you, you may need an associate. I'm going I'm to do like a uh, Jeff Foxworthy thing. It's like, you may be a redneck, but uh, you may need an associate. <laughs> so those are some of the things you got to look for, for sure. Another thing is, is do you have the space and staff to support it? You could be in a scenario where you're so busy, but your space limited and you got to figure out a way because that's blocked you from the ability to bring on an associate and grow. Uh, so you may have to plan that out. It could be a couple years on a road. My lease is ending. I'm going to get into a bigger space, stuff like that. Are you ready to onboard, train and mentor an associate? This isn't a scenario where you just hire them and then you treat patients and hide in your office consistently. You need someone, whether it's you or another associate, that can onboard them, right? Um, you know, the affordability of an associate, obviously, does your cash flow support it? Uh, one thing I like, there's a lesson inside of the Chiropractic Success Academy. It was actually from one of our, so either if you're a CSA member, you can access it, or if you had signed up for lifetime access to our Money Matters. CSA uh, virtual summit. Greg Crabtree did a lesson, Simple Numbers 2.0, which was amazing. And there's a whole thing in there where he actually breaks down how you can tell if you are too payroll heavy. Um, and it's a really cool little thing. And so you can look at that. And you may actually be, he, he said there's, a, there's like a range. And I'm not going to give the number because it's, it's like 2.0. It, it, it's like, it's a range, but it doesn't mean anything to you. So there's no point in diving into it. But it's this little range where if the number's too high, you're going to be payroll heavy and you're going to, it's going to impact your 
profitability and your margins. If it's too low, you may be exhausting your team. We've all been in that situation where we, we're really burning our team out. Like we're a person short, a half a person short, one and a half people short. And you can only roll like that for so long before, you know, the wheels start falling off. So this is a really good lesson on finances of knowing where you may be payroll light and you need to get that associate in, not just to fill up your payroll, but you could be burning your staff and yourself. So I like that to help figure out if you can afford it. Um, Because, you know, you might be in a situation where it's like, shit, I need an associate because I'm busy. But you do, you do Greg Crabtree's little calculation and you're too payroll heavy already. And so you got to figure some out. Like you're going to maybe remove a CA. Maybe you got too many CAs. You're going to remove one and hire an associate. Or maybe you got to figure out some of your other expenses or you're paying your, how you're paying yourself too much. Maybe you're bleeding the business because your personal life is draining it, right? You got to be honest with yourself. Um, sinking fund, I love to put in, whenever I make a big hire, I'll put in at least three months worth of their salary into a sinking fund. You know, like if I said to myself, I can, I can afford it now. Like let's say I want to hire an associate July of 2023 and it's January, 2023. I'll, I'll, and let's just say it costs me $7,000 a month for that associate. I'm going to put in 20,000 in that thing. So I'll take $20,000 divided by six months. And let's call that, uh, you know, let's just say $3,500 a month. Each month I'll put that in a sinking fund because I'm gonna have to have that kind of money anyway, if I'm going to hire an associate. So I'll start doing it now, or at least some of it where I have a few months of that money in there to protect me, right? And then lastly, like, can you really afford the associate? Are you able to have fair compensation? Are you able to start them at a base and some kind of percentage that allows them to live? You know, the $40,000, $45,000 a year stuff, it just ain't going to cut it anymore. Like, that's your front desk cost nowadays. And your associates just can't live off that, probably anywhere. So you got to definitely look into that. Um, and then last, my last one too, uh, Profit First has TAPS. I forget what the acronym stands for. It's an acronym, T-A-P-S. Um, we have a lesson in there from Holly Tucker. She was kind enough to do that. Um, but you can actually get your categories of like how much percentage, based on your revenue, what percentage of um, that revenue should be profit, owner's comp, taxes, um, overhead, right? So that can help guide you as well to see if you can afford to add overhead to it. All right. The next thing is, is talent acquisition, right? A lot of owners can complain about talent acquisition. And so are, you know, are you, are you developing a preceptor program? Like we have a really good preceptor program here and it, it helps provide us some talent. I have a couple of clinics we coach that they've turned their office into a destination. They host great seminars. They bring in seminars two or three times a year. It attracts students and chiropractors to their office and people start to know about their practice and realize like, oh, that'd be a great place to work. Are you connecting with the schools? Are you connecting with organizations like FTCA, MPI, ART? They typically have really good young doctors that are looking for jobs. Are you, are you active in those type of groups? A lot of you are left on an island, okay? Um, so definitely look into that. You got to have a hiring process. Okay. You need to make sure that you're um, doing that right. I'm not going to dive into that too much right now, but you want to you know, have them shadow you for more than one day if you're going through this hiring process with them. Are you setting clear expectations for the new doctor when you're going through the interview and, and process? Are you 
laying out what the compensation, you know, if you have percentages or profit sharing, like lay out the numbers, let them know what they need to see. Don't sugarcoat this job like it's some great thing and it not. If it's a great job, great. Make sure they know it's a great job. But too many of you are sugarcoating it and then they get to the job and it's shitty. So don't do that either. And then lastly, you would want to do an offer letter. And, and that would be just a formality of that you're going to give them a job. Again, I would recommend you have your attorney do that. You know, your attorney's going to get in on the offer letter. You're going to have to get them a contract at some point here soon. So that's where you're going to be attorney, right? You're going to get clear on your compensation structure. Uh, we have a whole thing on that in the playbook that we're, it's different options. I'm not going to go through in that. I've had a podcast on the compensation structure we do. Um, in this playbook, we also talk about employee versus independent contractor. Like, stop making these chiropractors independent contractors when they're really not. Uh, I'm not going to dive into the legalities of that, but uh, so many independent contractor positions for chiropractors are not independent contractors. They literally should be running their own business out of your practice. They should be able to have their own website, their own polos, their own clinic name, even their own table if they want to. They can work their own hours. You can't tell them anything as long as they don't do anything unethical or outside of your standards or your practice because you could always get rid of them, but they have to follow the legals and, and all that type of stuff. I get it, but you, you, you can't dictate terms to them. So we get clear on that, right? Um, and then lastly, you really want to have a good onboarding process for them, right? Have an employee handbook. Get them on the EHR training right out of the gates. Just have them take, you know, every EHR has a training program. Have them do that. Have team trainings and meeting schedule. Go over what metrics they need to, to understand. Like, what are your expectations for new patients and patient visit average, patient adherence? Just a lot of stuff that you need to onboard them and look at it as like at least a three-month onboarding process to where they, they have the ins and outs of it. And then from there, it's a continual process. And that's how you're going to really make that associate um, relationship good. And I think, you know, a lot of owner chiropractors want associates for a period of time. They, obviously, they want everybody uh, to stay long term. And that'd be great. I think you have to find a happy marriage of building clinic systems and marketing and structure that does well. If the associate's with you for three years and if they leave, that's okay. And you have a system in place um, to, to offset that. Like, I, you know, I've, since 2010, I've had five associates and we've been fine when they leave. Yeah. It's, there's a little ding. We prepare for that. I always have, yeah, I, in, in my business, I always have, okay, what are the things that could go wrong and what's my plan when it happens? You know, a front desk person leaving sucks. But it happens. And so I'm prepared for when it does. An associate leaving really stinks. If they give you really good notice, that's awesome. When they give you short, like, again, here's the other thing. If you're an associate or you're going to be an associate, you're a professional. Two weeks notice is not enough notice. If, some, if there's some egregious happening, okay, I'm going to put that aside. But let's say it's, a fair, it's been a fair relationship. Two weeks is not enough in any book as being a doctor. All right. This is different. You're not working at a restaurant. Like you need to give more than two weeks. You are a professional. If it's been a fair relationship, you need to do that. Okay. And I'll let you and your, you know, 
owner figure out what, and I had that communication with my soldiers, like this would be fair uh, in our situation notice, okay? Um, my last soldier gave me six months notice. It was great. Uh, we were able to plan for that. So, you know, that's something that you need to consider as well. All right. So, you know, I think there's a lot to it. I just wanted to touch over some things. There's obviously a lot of details in doing this right. I guess the, um, my recommendation would be is, is have a, part of what we're doing here with this playbook is so that our members in CSA can look through this playbook, start over maybe a six month, this could take some time to like really just work through and develop their practices, um, you know, associate hiring and onboarding system, right? The playbook will help guide you on that. You need to tease out the nuances, get clear on it, have conviction around it, and be prepared to hire, a, you know, fairly, hire someone that's great, and have a good, good working relationship with that associate. If you're an associate, make sure that you are putting people around you that can help guide you in finding a good job and having fairness in that. I hope this was helpful. We need to continue the conversation. It doesn't have to be this way as far as this disconnect. And I think communicating on it, just like anything else, helps improve the situation. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you want to make the shift from busy, broke, and broken to time-free and cash-confident, or you just want to continue with the exponential growth, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Look at the MCM Mastery tab, watch the short video on there, and check out what we are doing now for evidence-informed chiropractors. We are equal parts coaching and marketing done for you. Yes, you shoot some videos. We help you with campaign strategies and ideas and really become a thought leader in your community. You shoot those videos, you send them to us. We produce, edit, and brand them to you. Then we distribute them through all of your channels. We also take them and we turn it into one good blog per month. And every other month, we have Darcy Sullivan producing a robust blog with a topic that you pick from her database to help with your SEO. So we essentially become your content marketing agency to make sure your practice is always having ethical, elegant content marketing to help grow your practice. On the coaching side, we also help you with everything from marketing ideas to business, communications, finances, anything practice growth and really try to help prevent you from being stuck on that island. And we hold you accountable. We have a great group of doctors that are just doing amazing things. And we look forward to help you out to take that next step in your practice. So again, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com and learn more.